0: Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov and you're listening to Pull up a chair on Israel News Talk Radio.com. Okay. The world has shifted. Seismic changes, shifts in the Jewish world. For some, we think for the good. For some, they're wringing their hands. Israel on Tuesday went to the polls. The polls. Crazy. I read about four uh, newspapers a day online, barely mentioned in the Western press, except uh, a lot of hand wringing, a lot of fear warmongering, they hear the drumbeats, the frightening, new, right-wing, terrifying government of Israel. We're going to talk about that. I was going to say we're going to talk about that and so much more on today's show, but no, we're not going to talk about so much more. We're going to talk about that and a little more of that and uh, very interested in your take. Those who listen to this station, most of you, good, good friends of Israel, certainly friends of Israel News Talk Radio. So let's get our romper room moment out of the way, but not push it far, because I feel your presence. And it's late at night in the United States. Our friends are listening in. Um, South Africa is with us. South Africa. I got a note from South Africa this morning. Uh, at six o'clock from my good friend Austin. Where are you? Where are you? Apparently Austin was not aware that Israel set its clocks back last Motzi Shabbos until the rest of the world catches up. This, this this setting the clocks back forward is nutty. I'm sorry, Austin. I hope you're on your second cup of coffee. Boketov it's Israel. Good morning, bad morning, questioning morning. We'll talk. UK is with us today. Um, Yeah. Got a got a sneak preview of the Jewish paper that's coming out in the UK today. We'll talk about that in a minute. Not so much fun. France is with us. Bon matin. Ghana is here this morning. India is with us and Brazil. House is full. Anybody else coming on in? I'm sure that the engineers, the technical genius, technical staff will keep me appraised, and we will get on with the show. Before we get into the Heavy-duty politics, because you know I'm just such a heavy-duty political person, not so much. Um, I went to a funeral this week. Funerals are always sad. They're sad. They're sad. There's so much we do not understand about the afterlife. There's so much fear. There's so much regret. Those who are left behind, perhaps also the nifter, the one who passed on, um, has been filled with regrets. But this was a particularly... Poignant because I'm very dear friends with the daughter of the woman who passed away in her late, late 90s. A good life, a rich life, wonderful children who are making great changes in the Jewish world. And um, my friend and I, every time we would be together when the clock would sort of hit four, wherever we are, it, wherever we were, we could be like haunting, you know, running up and down the aisles of IKEA, having a cup of coffee somewhere. She would stop and she would say, I have to call my mother. And I say, okay, you know, call your mother. And sometimes we would be in the car, and she would call her mother, who at this point in her life was very, um, she was not, she was not with it. She was really very, very. It wasn't whether it was Alzheimer's or senility, or just she was kind of fading out. And my friend would call her mother, and it could be a Monday afternoon, and she would say every time she said, I wanted to call you before Shabbos. And she would say this on a Tuesday, and she would say this on a Sunday, and she would say it on a Thursday. Mom, I just wanted to call you before Shabbos. And on the phone, my friend would sing Shabbos songs with her mother. Beautiful. They would welcome you in the Shabbos. They would sing Shalom Aleichem. They would sing Eshes Chayel, a woman of valor. Then they would sing Zionistic songs about Israel. They would sing Zum Gali Gali. And I would watch in fascination like, but that's not accurate. Why are you wishing your mother good Shabbos? And she said, My mother always relates to Shabbos. Shabbos is our favorite time. And every day was Erev Shabbos with my friend and her mom. And it was such a beautiful thing. And I learned a lot. And I learned a lot about speaking to people the way they want to be spoken to. And someone sent me this. And I want to know what you think of it. It's called When Parents Grow, You Know, When Parents Get Old. And it's a. Just a little saying about honoring, you know, the Torah, front and center. We're told, we're commanded to honor our mother and father. Why do we have to be commanded if it comes so naturally? Uh Aha, aha. Because it doesn't. We're commanded that which we could take um, issue with. And sometimes it doesn't come as naturally. And God says, no, that's why you must. Anyway, it says, when parents get old, let them grow old with the same love that they let you grow. Let them speak and tell repeated stories with the same patience and interest that they heard yours as a child. Let them overcome like so many times when they let you win. Let them enjoy their friends just as you were allowed to enjoy yours. Let them enjoy the talks with their grandchildren because they see you in them. Let them enjoy living among the objects that have accompanied them for a long time. This, this play is very heavily in my. I see so many people telling their, their elderly parents, get rid of this junk. Get rid of it. What do you need it for? They suffer when they feel that you tear pieces of their lives away. Let them be wrong. Like so many times you have been wrong and they didn't embarrass you. By correcting you, let them live and try to make them happy on the last stretch of this holy path that they have left to go. Give them your hand, just like they gave you their hand when you started your path. I like that a lot. I thought about my friend and this lovely, lovely, lovely Levaya funeral I went to this week. Okay, today, today. I want to start out and ask you, Machila, I want you to forgive me, because I don't want to lose friends. There's going to be uh, a recurring feeling to today's discussion of the elections that might not be to the liking of my respective listenership. Um, I know we have people listening in who I went to high school with, who are very excited that I have this show and that I live in the holy land and sort of are experiencing a front row seat to Jewish history. My friends from college, uh, from my liberal Boston college that agreed to, these are the same ones who voted or didn't stand in the way to allow a convicted thug murderer, Angela Davis, to address the student body. They might not like today's show. My friends who raised their fists and screamed wrote the most vitriolic posts on Facebook and on Twitter at the overturning of Roe v. Wade, sorry, Roe v. Wade, without also endeavoring to undertake the cheshbon nefesh, the accounting of one's soul of what terminating a pregnancy might mean, just possibly, in the spiritual sphere. Just the considering of another side. Today's show is undoubtedly going to reveal much of my disappointment in those who are knee-jerk ideologues, Uh, in all playing fields, the inability to see and hear another side and maybe, just maybe utter, I need to know more. I may not have the whole picture. The lessons of my youth, my professors, my friendship circle may no longer represent the honesty of my soul. Self-reflection is very lonely. Israel we are the loneliest nation. We know all about self-reflection. We constantly mess up when we try to be what the other nations of the world, Olama goyim expect of us. The jokes in these environs at the time of the Ehud Olmert uh, prime ministership was that he wished he was the prime minister of Sweden. Never was there a national leader so out of touch and disappointed in his constituency. And it also seems that those who call themselves friends of Israel, many, and this is particularly true for secular Jews who claim to support the Jewish state, their love extends as far as our behaving according to a specific set of rules. It was the late Jackie Mason who claimed, remember the comedian who claimed that he couldn't get a lot of gigs because he was too Jewish. A fellow named Rick, posted on his Facebook uh, post last week before the elections and if anybody knows Rick tell him that I like this it said Jews have been playing a game of musical chairs for centuries the crux of the problem is what country are you in when the music stops in Israel we are the musicians we had an election this week we we unequivocally, loudly, without question marks, voted for a Jew-loving, Jews-first Israel-celebrating right-wing government. It's, It's not done. The Knesset isn't put together yet. The voting turnout was something, I don't know, I don't remember what the um, percentage of votes was. Israelis came out from the left, from the right, and voiced what they wanted. They want to be front and center. They voted for security. They voted for identity. They voted for respect. It's not done. We're going to talk, when I come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how the Knesset works. And we're going to talk about the voices of mothers. Mothers who stepped into the voting booth and were nervous and shocked and frightened, but were voting for their children. The children who would be sitting in yeshivas and the children who will be in uniform, protecting our land. My name is Andrea Simitov. Stay with us. I'll see you on the other side. Israelnewstalkradio.com. My kind of Jew. Okay. Um, before I forget, uh, you want to drop me a note. I do get notes during the week. Uh, very, very interesting. Someone wrote me a, a lovely note this week. He writes quite quite often and asked me about um, one of my Devar Torahs, my Torah talks. Uh, he also is on a, a the same mailing list as I'm on and why are my Torah talks different than what he's receiving from the same quoted rabbi. So we had a lot of, a lot of fun interaction. Uh, Please write to me so I don't have to clean my house. Thank you. Okay. So I have to tell you, I went to vote this week. Um, I've frequently spoken about my neighborhood. I live, my neighborhood is in the South or Southeast of Jerusalem um, I'm situated between two very large uh, and clearly very active Arab villages. And the neighbors who live here, are we are not, its uh, very few English speakers in my neighborhood. My synagogue uh, happens to be filled with English speakers, but our neighborhood, not so much. A lot of people, first and second generation Israelis, many from Morocco. We have a lot of Ethiopians, plenty of Russians. It really is... Uh, Kibbutz Galiot, the ingathering of the masses. And then you have Andrea and Ronnie. Uh, you know. So I go to vote very, very early. And it dawned on me that we very often, because we are within our own Dalit Amos, our four walls, the sphere of our personal orbits, we think that the rest of the world is voting like us. And um, because my vote, and I, I agonized over my vote because I was very torn between two candidates, um, a lot, a lot of consideration. I used a lot of mommy, mommy thinking, you know, because this, you know, this one has to grow up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but I got to the voting place when they opened at seven o'clock. I had a day of work ahead of me, and standing on line were two or three. Um, of my neighbors, who I don't know, neighbors I haven't met yet, one of the guys looked like he was, you know, in a Jewish Harley Davidson uh, motorcycle gang. He was wearing that little, you know, I had to call my son to ask what it was called, that little blip of hair under the bottom lip. I found out it's called a soul patch. How hip am I? He was wearing a soul patch, had a ponytail. He was big guy, tattooed, which. According to halacha, Torah law, we're not allowed to tattoo ourselves. Nobody in Israel seems to have gotten the memo. um, Wearing like, you know, I mean, he looked like, I mean, like devil tattoos on his arm, really kind of a scary guy. But I knew that he was one of mine. He was a lunchman. He was one of mine. And I didn't know who he's voting for. And he picked up his phone and he started to whisper he started to make one call after another and whispering to his friend, to his friends, to his mishpacha, his family, whoever hadn't been there, what letter, which, which voting um, note would go in the envelope to vote for Ben Gavir. I was, I was shocked. Ben Gavir is, um, he was, you know, he's the big demon, the big demon that the Western press and the liberal Israeli press uh, touted. He's the one that's going to bring us back to the days of um, Jewish Taliban. I, I, I was just so stunned. And I remember I came home and I said to my husband, I said, I think we're going to have a big surprise with Ben Gavir. um, because nobody I knew would admit to voting for him. And yet I started to hear from people who didn't look like me, who did not observe the Sabbath like me, who did not eat kosher like me. Uh, very much voting like me. And what I found fascinating was that this is indeed reflective of the Jewish, I'm not going to say Jewish despair, but the Jewish unity to restore Israel to a place of pride in the halls of the world. I want to read you, let me see, one, two, or three. I have two, two, two jumped out, two parents I know, two moms I know, wrote uh, on their walls. And actually, before I even I have a friend who, um, very, very liberal, you know, sort of, you know, I, I say orthodox light. You know, we say there are 613 mitzvahs and then there's 613 problems. You know, she does like the bare minimum, but lives very much a, a Torah-centric life five voters in her family and they voted for four different parties that is so jewish i mean <laughs> she likes to think that she's really one of the world but could you be more jewish five five voters four different parties i loved it so my friend shira posted and everybody took pictures you know, they said if you don't post a picture of yourself voting did you really vote Uh, And Shearer wrote that, doing my civic duty for the fifth time in four years, although we voted for different parties, my husband and I each managed to vote for rather than against with our hearts and not just strategically and to support candidates whose values resonate with our own. Half the country is going to be depressed tomorrow. We hope it's not going to be our half like many others We have people with widely divergent political views in our family. Whatever the outcome of the election, we need to remember that we are all voting for what we think is in the best interest of our people and of our country. May God bless the state of Israel. A mom. The voice of a mom. And here's another mom. My... uh. I don't need to tell you who it is. The voice of a mom who stated so perfectly such beautiful sentiments that I actually blinked back tears when I, when I read them. I blinked back the same tears as I blinked when I walked or, or exited the voting booth. Such a privilege. The miracle of Israel must not get lost in the political cacophony, my friends. And I thank this mother for this critical reminder. Quote, this is the first time i'm really debating who to vote for there are many disappointments in politics and politicians i mostly want to vote for what is good for the general for the general uh, public by the way this is translated i'm not so good at translating uh with israel and for the future of the state of israel and it leaves me wondering which government i would really like to see here however I feel an overwhelming sense of pride and privilege, the right to live in Israel, in the country of Israel, the right to vote, that everyone has a voice, that there is a democracy. I am a citizen of the United States, and in all of the 24 years that I have had the right to vote in America, I voted once. Remember, I'm quoting someone in a translation. This is where we belong a young, developing, amazing and prosperous country, a sense of connection and deep caring, furious, fighting, screaming, arguing, but it's all music because it's the voice of caring. With God's help, we will be able to fulfill our obligations and our right to vote for what we think is best for all Israel. But don't forget that we are all in the same boat We are all citizens. Ultimately, God runs the world with special supervision for the people of Israel and for the land of Israel. May we all be successful. The voice of a mother. Not everybody agrees with us. This morning, I don't even know what time is it now in England. Is it uh, 6.30, 5.30? Apparently coming out... Uh, the British Jewish news, the front page coming out this morning. Big picture on the front of uh, Smotrich and Ben-Gavir. And the headline says, the weekly newspaper of the year. I don't know what, I never heard of this newspaper. It says, Netanyahu is back, but now it's the iron fist of Israel's far right empowering him. It confirms, and in big letters, our worst fears. Guess what? You didn't vote. I truly believe with all of my heart that no one is less safe in Israel this morning. There is not one lesbian or one homosexual or one bisexual whose life is going to be altered in Israel this morning. There is not a a secular Jew who is going to be bullied into living a life that he or she does not subscribe to. Life in Israel today is clearer and prouder And maybe we should stop the screaming. I read such silly posts. I don't want to spend too much time on them. The time we have together is so precious. Silly posts about the fear. Supporting Israel doesn't mean supporting everything Israel is today. Let's band together. Let's push away the hate. I must admit something to you. Because those of you who have listened to my show long enough know that when it comes to Israel News Talk Radio, I tend to be the the liberal here. I was frightened of some of the winners. And then I read their platforms. I feel safe. I feel hopeful. When we come back, it's supposed to be our Devar Torah section, and that's when we're going to juxtapose what the Torah has to say, and especially in this holy parsha of Lech Lecha, go to yourself, and the new morning and the new dawn here in Eretz Israel. I promise you, anyone listening in, we are reaching down and becoming our personal bests. Hush, give us the chance. See you on the other side. Pull up a chair on israelnewstalkradio.com dot I think they used to have um, they have something in. I know in, in I think in the IMDb, the Internet the Internet Movie Database. You can read trivia and goofs and out outshots of famous movies. And I think about that because really, what goes on between the segments here, the conversations, the shouting, the agreeing, is sometimes I don't know. It's equally as fascinating as the show. Um, I was reminded during the break, you know, sometimes um, those, you know, since when, I was reminded that somehow the word right, right has become, it's become pejorative, it's become ugly, it's become a badge of mania, of madness, of intolerance. You know, and I always say people who don't agree with me, they seem to hijack really the better the better the better names. When I think of peace now, I turned to my husband last night. I said, Do you do you know anybody who does not believe in peace now? Peace now. I want peace now. Smoltrich wants peace now. Ben Kavir wants peace now. Harav Kahana, Mayor Kahana, Zatzal wanted peace now. But because we didn't, because it was, because we didn't just use it as a, a slogan, an empty slogan without consideration and without Ahava love for our fellow Jews, they hijacked it. We all want peace now. Let me tell you about the families that are living in Judea and Samaria. Wholesome What's the word? Um, Nuclear. Fathers, mothers, children, front and center, God and family, faith, land. I love those who are listening in from Tel Aviv this morning, but we both know that Israel's existence is not going to rely on those who are sipping cappuccinos on Gordo Street. May you enjoy your cappuccinos. It's going to be those who insist on showing the rest of the world that we indeed plan to settle it, to plant our roots. Because if we don't live here, if we don't settle here, if we don't root here, if we don't live our values, live our truth, live our God-centeredness, then our enemies will be right we will prove them right if we don't believe that it belongs to us why should the rest of the world big talk big talk about family values family values exist in the holy land nowhere more prevalently no more, more musically, more spiritually, more wholesomely, and indeed with more hope for the future than in the terribly maligned Judea and Samaria. Just remember that. Um, For those of you who sit, I have (laughs) some new friends who came in and they voted in their first election. I mean, pictures, teary, excited, Um, And yet everybody says, I really don't understand this system. It's a very odd system. I don't want to spend a lot of time. You can absolutely, on the Knesset website, this Knesset website um, has a, a very nice explanation of how it works, the Knesset system, who you're voting for, even though Benjamin Netanyahu will undoubtedly Uh, be crowned prime minister we hope for the next four years if no other reason then it's very very tedious to keep running out and running out and voting Um, I was very happy there was very little evidence of lethargy during this election which is kind of surprising which lets you know just how passionate those who want to restore Israel to its holiness, its holy center felt Um, check out that website the other thing is Now, I'm not going to read any more jerky, jerky. Oh, my gosh. What happened to Israel this morning? Nothing happened to Israel. You'll sleep well tonight. Um, J Street. (laughs) J Street. Any of you listening in, I want to tell you J Street is the enemy of Jewish values, Jewish belief. If any of you think, well, you know, I live a very good Jewish life and I'm a card-carrying member of J Street, you are a card-carrying member of the destruction of your Jewish tomorrow. This guy who runs, Jer- uh, Jace, he calls it, his name is, his name is Jeremy Benami. What His quote is, the likely formation of an ultra-right Netanyahu government should force a moment of serious reckoning for all Americans who care about the nature of the U.S.-Israel relationship and a just equal democratic future for both the Israelis and the Palestinians. You know what? I slurred it. I, I made fun of it. I mock it. Because you know what? He doesn't care about me and mine. I'm holding it for him and his children. What's more important to him is to be perceived as the right kind of Jew. He's the good Jew. He's the one. Anti Semitism has nothing to do with him. That's what he thinks this morning I read I don't know where I read this it was an article that talks about the three things that uh, Ben Gavir will attempt to promote as a minister in the Netanyahu government and it's interesting the first thing he wants to do it comes out, I don't know if this this is his first you know remember there is editorial uh, uh, editorial license here but they talked a lot about cracking down on Arab crime terror um, and you know what? He wants to put Jews first. He wants to put Israeli citizens, Jewish Israelis first. When a soldier is frightened to shoot his rifle because he is in danger, but the threat to his eventual freedom, the fact that he might be imprisoned because he has to worry first about the civil rights of he who comes to slay him, there's something very twisted, very perverted in our system. I read and I fully believe that Ben Gavir is not planning on just tackling terror against Jews. He takes, he eats humble pie, he talks about his youth, some things he says that he wished he would not have said on the record in his early 20s. I frankly take. No issue with anything he said in his early 20s. But as a politician, I guess you have to kind of uh, smooth the rough edges. He knows that there are Arab citizens of Israel who are terrified of their brothers who cannot live independent, moral, wholesome lives and he wants to keep them safe. He wants to allow their children to go to school and not be bullied by thugs who want to, um, oh my gosh, I'm losing the English, um, in, enroll them in radicalize. <laughs> Thank you, producer. Want to radicalize them. He wants them to have a fair chance to be their productive best. Nothing there. Nothing there. Is aberrant, nothing there is perverted. What is terrible about having a conservative religion, religious view of the state, public morality, conduct, cracking down on Jews who bastardize everything that's Jewish? This week at one of the polls a member of a far-left, anti-any-normal-value party, I will not even say the party's name, took a set of holy tefillin and in public, with the cameras on him, uh, performed an obscene act. I'm sorry, my American friends. We may not be. We may not conduct ourselves in a way that's most comfortable for you. But maybe it's the time to be humble, to sit and say, what is it about? We're here. The strength of Israel is the strength of your tomorrow. The strength of Israel is the future of your children. There's nothing to be frightened of. Um, there was something else I wanted to say before we went into it. Oh, yeah, this morning. I was shocked because I have to tell you, in recent years, I used to actually write for the Jerusalem Post. I wrote for the Jerusalem Post for many, many years. I don't know what happened. It kind of fizzled out. Um, but in recent years, the slant, the editorial slant of the Jerusalem Post has been, to my mind's eye, far more liberal. And yet... I think it's very important for us to know what other Jews are saying, other Jews are thinking. If all I'm going to do is listen to the choir that agrees with me, I'm not going to really learn very much. And I'm not going to have a lot to think about. So this morning, however, I was blown away by an editorial by the Jerusalem Post. And I'm happy to send it to any of you Uh, if you can't get it yourself at jpost.com. Uh, Write to me, andrea at israelnewstalkradio.com. I will send you the link. It was flawless. And let me just say that the Koteret, the title said, Israel voted for Netanyahu Ben Gavir. Let them govern. And it goes on to say that this is just acknowledging that in a democracy, the will of the people should be respected. And the election results have made this country's wishes known unequivocally. I am reminded, I remember when Donald Trump won the presidency, I remember the pictures, the videos coming out of America, the despair in the street. Young people, children not eligible to vote were using the most language they learned at their kitchen tables as they screamed he's not my bleeping president may not have been may not have been your choice the behavior of the opposition to a democratically elected president and please do not read between any lines here because I am not expressing any opinion on Donald Trump. We saved that from my Shabbos morning table after I've had two whiskeys. Never have we seen such behavior. When Naftali Bennett became prime minister, what was it, 20 minutes ago, an hour ago, for his 15-minute reign, Let me tell you what my conversation was. The voices I heard, including mine, including my husband, including my children and my neighbors, who did not vote for him. I did not hear one person say anything other than he wasn't my choice. This doesn't look good. I'm giving you the ugliest part. And then followed with, I hope I'm wrong. Let me be wrong for the sake of Israel. So for those of you who are frightened this morning and think that perhaps Israel is going down a dark path, pray you're wrong. Wish us the best. Be as excited as At least half the country is this morning, including, as I just, I don't even know where I read this, an Arab Druze village up north on the both Syrian and Lebanese border border that has very few registered voters. And something like 95% of those registered voters voted for a Likud Netanyahu-led government. Don't be smarter than us. Don't wring your hands. Sit back, listen hard, learn more, and utter the words, perhaps, as I try to utter every day, gee, there are things I don't know. I think I need to learn more. Rabbi Yitzchak of Vorka is quoted as saying, an insincere peace is better than a sincere quarrel. How much of that does that remind me of us today? Um, we are aware, we're aware that um, one of the 10 tests and challenges that confront Avraham Avinu, our father Abraham is HaKadosh Baruch Hu the Holy One's commandment to him that forms the name of this week's Torah portion. Avraham is directed to go, lech, lech lecha. go for your sake. Leave the comforts and the surroundings of your home and everything you know and the ATM machine and your favorite hamburgers and take a journey to a place you do not know. According to Hasidic tradition, this instruction from heaven was not... Um, only to be heard by the ears of Avraham and you're going to understand those who have listened to this show long enough why I so love this Parsha. Many people have heard the directive but they don't feel deliberately or not that it has any relevance to them. They don't act upon it However, it was that nature of our father, Avraham, that compelled him to realize that the message was indeed meant for him. He listened. And then he undertook the journey with his wife, Sarah, that would make them the parents of the Jewish people forever and a day. There's also another, and this is all coming from Rabbi Wine. I cannot tell you which year Rabbi Wine wrote this, but I love Rabbi Wine. Um, he also talks about perhaps a deeper meaning of lech lecha. It's not just an immediate instruction regarding the journey, you know, packing your bags and getting the visa, but it's also a general outline and a pattern for the remainder of the life of Avraham and Sarah that guides them. Perhaps heaven is telling Avraham that the purpose of his life is always to keep going, never to rest on one's past accomplishments. Always see there's more to be done. Remember, my friends, just because we want a certain outcome, but we say, gee, I'm never going to live to see it, does not free us from the histadlus, the obligation of plowing forward and working toward the goal. It's the work of human beings in this life not to achieve, but to go, to go, to go, never quit as long as we continue to breathe, we're going to continue to devote and furthering Torah life, Torah living, Torah values. This is what uh, Rabbi Wein says that the Mishnah in Avot, our fathers, wishes to communicate to us by saying that Avraham was tested 10 times and he was able to withstand all of those trials. The Hebrew expression uh, to stand mode. It doesn't just refer to the physical description of being on two legs, but it also implies that our father was elevated. He was raised, he was made greater by each of the ta- challenges and tests that he was able to overcome. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. There's no end to the accomplishments and challenges in life when there is life itself. A lot of us are getting older. The challenges are different, but there's still no excuse for attempting to avoid them, uh, to say, this is too hard for me. We're meant, we're designed, we were created to keep on going. You know, the Torah also teaches us that our father, um, Avraham, he was told to leave Mesopotamia. I don't know, how do you say Mesopotamia in Hebrew? Okay, Um, it's pointed out that the entire success of Avraham's mission in life was to spread this idea of monotheism and the universal God. And it was dependent on living in the land of Israel. So there's a question, you know, why? Why can't you? I mean, we know, listen, Chabad is doing a really good job. He's doing a good job in Nairobi. Um, It's all over the place. Why must it be in Israel? Um, especially when Mesopotamia was the center of of civilization and culture, Israel was a backwater place. It was really a midbar, the most arid of deserts. So there were a lot of possible answers. Um, Being successful, according to Rabbi Wine, in spiritual missions and growth always requires sacrifice and some physical discomfort. You can't have it both ways. A person is born to toil a person is born to strive and to accomplish to be pre- to be busy to be productive without undertaking this arduous journey to the land of Israel Abraham would never have been able to fulfill his spiritual journey he is indeed the symbol of challenges in life you know a lot of talk. This is the bris parsha, you know, the circumcision. We used to make a joke. Um, you know, they said, forgive me. I hope my friends listening in the Iran find this as humorous as we did. But they used to say that the reason <laughs> the reason Yishmael ran away from home was because he was bristed. He knew he had to be bristed at 13. Kid eight days old doesn't have a lot to say. If I was 13 and being told I'm going to be brist, I'd run, too. OK, stick a dish. That was a joke. All right. Just a joke. Um, the Torah states that Avraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old and he was circumcised. And in the self same day was Avraham circumcised. Rashi comments, Be'etem um, Hayom Hazeh, in the same self day, Avraham not only performed the mitzvah of Bris Milah, the same day he received the commandment by Hashem, but he performed it during the light of day and not at night, without fearing. What others were going to say or do—it's very easy. It's kind of easy to be a Jewish, you know. In a way, uh, what was it? I think it was Moses Mendelssohn, the f- the creator of Reform Judaism, who really had a very holy idea in mind when he said, "To be a mensch in the street and a Jew at home it doesn't work that way. Can't last." And we see, we see what happened to that. Uh, misguided but well-intended notion. The Rambam, on the same words, holds that a total of 318 men in Avraham's house were also circumcised that day. So the Torah tells us that Avraham's dedication with respect to the fear of heaven um, teaches us that when we have an opportunity to do a mitzvah, run, don't walk, Do it as soon as possible. Uh, There's an important lesson for us. For a lot of times during the course of a day, a week, a month, even a year, mitzvahs present themselves and we postpone doing it. It's not such a convenient time right now. Gee, what do you mean? What do you mean they're getting up from shiva tomorrow? Oh, next week will be so much more convenient. Um, A moment which drags on for hours until we finally forget to do it. Or we do it at a time when performing that mitzvah becomes actually meaningless. Taking off my glasses here, okay? Another very good example of a mitzvah that should be done immediately at its proper time, and everybody listening into this can relate to it because we all know people that are under the weather, that there are people are sick. Um, in the concluding verses of this week's Torah portion, the sedra, it says that, um, it talks about Hashem visiting Avraham after his bris in order to comfort him during his recuperation. Therefore, the standard is set for all of us to follow. The act of visiting, comforting the sick is tantamount to saving one's life and therefore is accorded a very high place in the, uh, the priorities of Jewish law. The Rambam says, uh, if you want to know where he says it, I'll let you know. Um, I'm just going through my Rambam notes here. Uh, that it is a positive commandment. It's one of the most, it's a positive commandment to visit the sick, that even an older person should visit a younger person. A person who visits as often as possible is to be praised. While the person who does not visit is placed in the category of one who engaged in, listen to this, um, the spilling. Oh no, sorry, sorry, the spilling of blood, Uh, The Gemara maintains that the mitzvah of Bikor Cholim, visiting the sick, there's just no limit. It's such a glorious, easy mitzvah. It's available to us all the time. Rabbi Hanania in Gemara Shabbos holds that visiting the sick, even on Shabbos, is a very meritorious action uh, for the visitor, even though he may be distressed by seeing the sick person. And we know that on Shabbos, we're never supposed to be... um, distressed, but this actually overrides that consideration. There's a lovely story, uh, another, <clears throat> a Rabbi Akiva story, about one of his students who became terribly ill. I just love Rabbi Akiva. The scholars in the academy did not visit him because he was not a good student and he did not excel in his studies. Any such visit for them was kind of, they took it as, Um, beneath their dignity. How's that? Rabbi Akiva heard about their scholar's lack of sensitivity. He was outraged. He personally went to the home of the pupil. He waited on him. He supplied him with food. He took a deep interest in the student's treatment and recovery, speaking with the doctors. said the pupil to Rabbi Akiva, my master, you saved my life. Soon after, The pupil rejoined his fellow classmates and participated in a shiur, a a Torah lecture given by Rabbi Akiva. The rabbi rebuked his students and reviewed the laws of Bikor Cholim. These can be reviewed all the time, my friends. Telling them that not visiting the sick is the equivalent to hastening the death of the choleh, the sick person, and of shedding his blood. He concluded his remarks by nodding in the direction of the former sixth student, whose recovery was due largely to the moral support he had received from his Torah master. Wow, think about that. I'm going down my list of things that we can do together. <clears throat> One second here, just looking at my notes. Okay. Going back to Avraham, you know, throughout Jewish history, the land of Israel has posed the greatest challenge to, the Jew- to Jewish communal living. I understand. People tell me, I just went out to dinner. We went, we went to dinner with friends from the States. It grew. It was so anemic, you know, listening to people of retirement age saying, I can't leave behind. I can't. I'll never make a living. How can I exist monetarily, financially, materially in Israel? You know what? These words fall like a thud. A lot of people who live in Israel find it a daily struggle to live here. But I got to share this with you. It's the greatest place. It is the place where Jewish history is happening, front row, center, right behind the orchestra pit. That's why it's the destination for Avraham in his quest for spiritual growth. All of the Avrahams among us will find Israel to be a difficult place to live in. But as he himself struggled with his tests, he rose to each challenge and each occasion. And what happens? Each time God promises him that the land of Israel will be his place on earth for all generations. You know, the challenge of living in Israel doesn't seem to ever get easier. But God's promise to the Jewish people has always remained in force. It seems obvious, perhaps this week, more than most, that the ultimate fulfillment, no, perhaps this week, more than many, that perhaps the fulfillment of Jewish life can only be realized in the land of Israel. Doesn't mean it ain't great elsewhere. But the problems faced here sometimes are overwhelming, but the rabbi stated that according to the pain and difficulty So is the reward as the children of Avraham and Sarah, we are called called upon to rise and overcome all of our tests and challenges as well. I'd like to share with you a final thought, something I just loved, and I called this a peddler's worship. Came from a Hasidic anthology. A Hasidic Rebbe once said, When the poor, ignorant village peddler returns to town shortly before dark, and ignoring his fatigue and hunger, he hastens to the house of prayer to recite the afternoon and evening service. What happens? The angels tremble before his worship, because that prayer splits the very heavens. My friends, it's a good week in Israel. I wish you all a Shabbat Shalom. And together, let's know less, listen more, and love harder. Bye-bye from Jerusalem.